Hi, this is Lewis Cunningham. I'm in Riverview, Florida, and this is the Oracle Buzz. Today I've got some uh, co-hosts. I've listened to people's feedback on my pro- previous podcasts, and one of the biggest recommendations was to bring in other people. So today I have Eric Villatoro, who is a uh, consultant doing data warehousing and BI. He's got a lot of experience with data warehousing with Oracle. And I've also got Thomas Roach, who's waving at the microphone. Um, he's a production DBA for a local company, and he's got a lot of uh, Oracle experience also, and SQL Server, right? And, and the user group. And, oh, and the user group. Actually, he's a past president of the Suncoast Oracle user group. That's true. I'm the uh, uh, secretary of the Suncoast Oracle user group, and Eric, we're still waiting for him to pay his dues. <laughs> <laughs> so no food for you. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to die. Yeah, right. <laughs> You have to wear earplugs, too, when you come to the next meeting. Oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, following the new format, what we're going to do is uh, basically just kind of chat about Oracle topics. Um, uh, Thomas is going to talk about ASM, give us a background on some of the stuff he's doing at, at work. Uh, Eric's going to talk about uh, data warehousing. What specifically are you doing? Um, probably the tool warehouse builder and the new tool from Oracle Oracle Data Integrator. Cool. Uh-huh. And uh, I figured I'd talk a little bit about streams, uh, since that's pretty much where I've been spending all my time lately, and maybe a little bit about uh, uh, managing a team, which has uh, become my latest challenge. Uh, I guess we can start with me. Um, <coughs> I don't really want to say what company I'm working at, uh, in case this, this project blows over or something. But, uh, <laughs> oops. Anyway, um, what we're doing is uh, we're actually in the process of setting up a data warehouse. Um, we're in the prototyping phase and sort of the setup phase. Um, right now we're analyzing ASM. Um, initially, uh, looking at ASM, it maybe looks a little daunting compared to what we, the way we usually do things. Um, traditionally, you have to work with your SAN administrator. They have to create the devices. Uh, you have to work with your Unix admin to go ahead and set it up and all your mount points and your directories and whatnot. And then, of course, as the DBA, you got to pay attention to where everything's at, where your growth is going, if you got too much contention on one disk. So uh, there's a lot of things that are involved with how we traditionally do things, but that's also with what, what we're familiar with. You know, So one of the things we wanted to look at was ASM. Um, as, we're, as we're looking at ASM, we're also looking at Rack, which we're probably definitely going to do for this project because we want it to be fault tolerant and several other reasons. Um, but back to the ASM, um, initially looking at it, um, you know, we had to work hand in hand with our, our SAs, both our SAM administrators and our Unix admins. Um, what they had to do is they had to go ahead and create the LUNs and attach the LUNs and then go ahead and set up the permissions correctly so that Oracle owns the raw devices. And then um, what we did was we, uh, typically when you install Oracle, you put it into its own Oracle home. And um, the way that we're going to do this, and that's the way that Oracle recommends it, is you install the ASM in its own home install the database in its own home. And then if you're doing uh, Rack, like Oracle's cluster-ready services, that would then also be in its own home. So um, we're actually installing installed Oracle in its own home. I uh, went through the install and pretty much went to set up ASM, said, here's my disks, and went out to them, found the, the disks, and uh, added it in, created our disk groups. And um, once that was done and the ASM instance was up and running, we created our database we specified to use ASM, and we created, um, you know, your table spaces, and you assign your table spaces to those disk groups, and it just worked wonderfully well, and we're actually using another spaces uh, places internally inside the company, and one of the great things 
things about ASM is all those management things that I talked about before with mount points and whatnot. Um, yeah, they have to still set up the raw devices, but we now let ASM go ahead and manage the disk, how it's laid out on the disks. Um, you don't have any hotspot disks. It goes ahead and load balances it for you, and we'll go ahead and change things. Um, you can add disks dynamically to your disk groups, they create grow new it. disk groups while the database is online, mm -hmm. and you can take out disk groups. So let's suppose you got some disks in there, and there's some problems with the disks. You take those disk groups offline, or those disks, you take the disk groups offline, and you pull those disks out. Um, you can also uh, take those specific disks out if you want to. So um, I really like what ASM is doing. Um, it took a lot of faith in the same administrators and the Unix admins to go ahead and present those to us, but once we presented the business case and we've been looking at it, they actually like it a lot better because that's less work they have to do. Is it mirroring too? Uh, we haven't set up mirroring yet, but a lot of those things, when you do set it up, it asks you where you, you know, how you're setting up your redundancy and whatnot for ASM. And you can basically say that the SAN is handling that. Oh. So the SAN can still do uh, its striking yes. or whatnot, right. and you can let it do that. Um, I think it's another person, I'm going to look further into it, but he said that he actually did the striping and whatnot on the SAN, and then he then also let ASM do it, and he got some great performance out of it that way as well. So he was doing it, he was sort of double doing it. I'm not really sure. It seems like a little more overhead, but you know, more redundancy. But he actually said it was working better too. So we have a. I think a real important thing is to have a, a sandbox. Is what we call it. Uh, some hardware that you can play with in your work environment. Um, even if you're a DBA, not a development DBA, you know, try to get two decent servers. Put Linux on there, and with two servers in Linux, and you have sand space, you can set up. Uh, you can practice with ASM. You can practice with Data Guard. You can practice with Rack. You can pack just with the clusterware. So there's a lot of things you can do if you have at least a two-node sandbox. And if you don't have that, you can do it inside of a VM or ZenSource or something like that. So. And what is your production OS? Um, well, we were actually looking initially at AIX, mm -hmm. which is um, IBM, uh, IBM Tunix operating system. And we are looking at the numbers and crunching them down. And we had done some tests internally, and we found that some of the Opteron and you know, Intel 64-bit boxes were actually performing really, really well, and they're a lot cheaper. Yeah, so, we're, cheap. so we're actually going to go with um, x86-64 machines, uh, multiple CPU, multiple core. Um, it's going to be racked, and it's going to be running Red Hat Linux. Um, try to get them to look at enterprise Linux, but um, I guess it's not as mature yet, so we feel more comfortable sticking with Red Hat right. at this point. Um, I'm sure things are going to change in a couple of years where hopefully Enterprise Linux is, you know, given the same equal opportunity that Red Hat Linux, and then of course we can make the decision on what works best for them. But right now our decision was to stick with uh, Red Hat. So we're doing Red Hat, um, which is good because Oracle ports to Red Hat first, or ports to Linux. Um, our cost is cheaper, and there's a lot more options. So, you know, we don't even, if you're doing like um, Rack, Obviously, you have to have some sort of cluster file system or ASM. But now we have OCF, OCFS or your OCFS2, so you have different options there. You have ASM. Uh, you can still go with a cluster file system if you want, like a Veritas or something, if you wanted to set that up. I think I heard for 11 that OCFS is actually Oracle's fastest file system. They actually are faster than the ones you can get. I'm not at liberty to. <laughs> I decided non-disclosure. Um, I, you know, I, I've heard that myself, so I'm not really, um, I'm not really too sure. I mean, I hear of a lot of things that are happening in 11 yeah. that a lot of people that are beta testing aren't allowed to talk at or at liberty to discuss um, about. The
the only information I've gotten from Eleven is from your blog, where you talk about the things that you picked up at Open World. Right. And of course, um, Chris Hyde, who's uh, one of the local sales guys, uh, tech sales people, I guess. He's not the salesperson, but he kind of comes in and does the technical part. Uh, and helps those guys. He was talking about some things with Eleven that he was allowed to talk about. Nice. And um, you know, there's a lot of cool features coming out in Eleven. Are you going to try to get him for one of the tech days or something like that? Well, we'll talk to him. We um, work with, uh, as you know, May is uh, World's fourth quarter, so it's harder to get resources from them than at any other time of the year. Um, but we move things up in May, and I think June is when the fourth quarter ends, the end of June. I could be wrong. Maybe you know Eric uh, <laughs> or Lewis. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I'm not quite too sure on that. But as far as the tech day goes, we have somebody that we'll work with at Oracle called Jack Fine, and he's been a great resource. So his whole attitude is uh, tell me what you need, and I'll look at my resources, and if I have some resources available, then I'll do everything in my power to get you those resources. And just so everybody knows what we're talking about on the tech day, uh, the Suncoast Oracle Users Group is having its annual tech day, May 10th, and uh, we're going to have, what, four tracks? Four tracks. Um, developer DBA. I'm not quite too sh sure what the two other tracks are. Uh, last year we had a management track. So we try to talk about things that pertain to managers. Last year it was like world licensing, because that in itself is almost its own certification. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I think we talked about some things like Oracle Portal. So managers tend to be more interested in, in what, can, what what technology can help the business. So it might be in applications, it might be, you know, uh, better management of your resources of your databases, um, you know, things like that. But as far as the DBAs, it's managing the databases. Uh, my, my backup, my recovery, my performance, and of course developer, or some cool things that could be like PLC enhancements. And I'll be talking about uh, XML again. XML. Some of the topics that we threw out there, I think one is going to be like um, regular expressions. Oh, that's right. We're going to try to do that. Um, we're going to try to do like uh, maybe some data guard stuff. So the, the whole theme is fast forward. And what we want to do is a lot of people are back in the 7 and still in 7. The AI and 9, I wish is actually getting sunset this summer, I believe. Um, and we want, what we want to do is we want to talk about all the new technology that's out there. Um, a lot of stuff that's still been added in 9i, you know, um, 10G. They have a lot of stuff in 10G. And of course, with 11 out, we're trying to talk about as much of that as we can. But there's a lot of stuff out there that, you know, people are paying for all this technology. We want to show them, hey, here's everything you're paying for. Here's how you can use it to better, better uh, your company, your backups, your performance, you know, those kinds of things. So. Talking about conferences, are either of y'all going to any conferences this year? I don't have nothing scheduled. Uh, I was looking at um, Collaborate. I, I think some of the big conferences out there are, you got the Rocky Mountain Oracle. That's this group. week. That's this week. Um, and I'd like something like that in Florida. We're yeah, that'd be great. Towards that, that's our tech day, so it's kind of slowly picking up. Um, some of the other conferences are like ODTUB. I'm going to be speaking at ODTUG on uh, streams. Yeah. Yeah. There's Collaborate. Which I'll be there. There's IOUG uh, as well. I'm doing Enterprise DB at that one. <coughs> awesome. And um, Stephen Fewer, Sign Quest, they do their PLC pool one that they I have. I won't forget that one. Yeah, they have that one. And then there's um, Open World. I'll be at that one. Although I'm not speaking. <laughs> I'm going to definitely That's try to man, be. Go ahead, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to definitely be at. Um, I'm trying to definitely make it to Open World this year. I've never been. That's awesome. It was 40,000 people last year. They had the streets in San Francisco closed. So it'd be, because they had so many people going back and forth across the street. There would have always been people on the street. It's, it's awesome. You didn't wear a hat this time, did you? I did not wear a hat this time. That was OD Tug when I was doing the, uh, I was in 
they gave him a really cool hat too. Uh. Yeah, I remember that. To see that picture, I mean, remember that. Yeah. <laughs> did you go to the Elton John concert? Um, I did not. I went to. Uh, that was the night Mark Whitman had the bloggers group, and uh, some of the people did leave and go to that. And uh, I didn't even realize I had a ticket until like the next day. So. It's because of you. Yeah, because of Theo Porn. I heard they were. Uh, I don't know what they were doing, but I heard they were pouring some bottles, lots of bottles, of some really expensive stuff. So. Could have been. You almost <laughs> got your money's worth. <laughs> drinking, unless you're not an alcoholic. That was an awesome, uh, awesome conference. That was. A, I still think the Oracle Developer Tools Users Group, the Tech, in New Orleans in 2005, was about the best conference I ever went to. And I didn't present at that one. I was just there for the sessions. But that was a very technical, very good, a lot of good speakers. Actually, yeah, that was the first time I saw. Um, Don Burleson speak. It was the first time I saw Mike Alt speak. It was the first time I saw Tom Kite speak. Um, i trying to think who else was there. There were several. Um, uh, Dorsey, Paul Dorsey, I believe his name. First time I saw him. And I actually had lunch with him. He sat at the table and had lunch with him. But uh, very good. Very good comment. You were there, were you? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of good speakers out there. Um, I'm not really quite. I'm just trying to think here. But as far as all the speakers that I've seen, I mean, most of them were pretty good. Yeah. Um, Kevin Loney is a good one. I don't know if you've ever heard of him uh, speak. He's with them, I believe, Tusk, which, uh, speaking of Tusk, Richard Nemack is, or Nymack, forgive me, Richard, if I say your name wrong, and you listen to this. <laughs> but he's um, actually going to be speaking to our user group on Thursday, all day. And that's, uh, the, just in case, in case I don't know when I post this, that's uh, February 22nd. 22nd. So chances are, if you've heard this, it's probably already happened. Um, but yeah, he's coming in. He's going to speak for on three different topics. And I looked at the Collaborate last year, and they had tons of speakers out there. And I think out of the top five presentations, or in the top ten, I think he had four either in the top ten or the top five. Wow. And um, I think he had the top rated presentation. Maybe Kevin Loney did. I'm not really too sure. But he's going to come in and speak to us. So uh, our RSVPs are like 80-something already with a week to go. And usually we get our last, a lot of last-second RSVPs. And we we're having a cap at 100 That's at the IBM Center. He's going to be talking yeah, about the Rocky Point. I, you know, I, I know Lewis uh, has a little thing out there with <laughs> IBM, but actually IBM is very gracious to let us use their facility, and it's actually one of the nicest. Facilities. It is very nice facility. Marble, I think it's marble when you walk in. Um, windows all around, beautiful view, uh, great conference room, great hospitality shown on their part. They're going to have a guard waiting for me next to see you. Lewis, you're an IBM child. I'm allowed to come in. But no, I mean, it's a pretty, it's a real nice facility. People that we've had in the past is, uh, we had Tom Kite, did a wonderful job for us at our time. Yeah, yeah, that was very good. We had, um, we've had Kerry Millsap, we've had um, Stephen Feuerstein, or hopefully, uh, Steve, don't kill me on that one either. <laughs> Stephen Feuerstein, Feuerstein. Never mind, I'm just going to stop right there. And it's Steven, not Steve. No, that's what I said with Steven. Yeah. Just, just go back and edit that part <laughs> out. <laughs> but anyways, um, I mean, we've had nothing but phenomenal, and I've learned a lot from watching these people, and I actually did one for uh, Orlando user group on security. So I did a, a thing on security, and I said, well, I'm going to do a presentation on security. So I had the David Knox book. I used that as a resource. Um, <coughs> David, if nobody knows who he is, I think he works uh security groups and so forth and like help people with how to apply security and whatnot. Um, but I, I said, well, you know, let me look at everything. So I wanted to look at transparent data encryption. I 
briefly into those. But on some of those, I tried to show demos, and I would go out and try to find some code where I could get it from. But uh, I, <laughs> I think I, I had 106 slides. I'm thinking for an hour-long presentation, hour and a half. So I said, I'm going to do this internal first. See how long it takes. So I did it internally, and it took a little over two hours. But I was presenting to four people. So I go out to Orlando, and I think 30 or 40 people show up. And of course, I get started. A lot of people says, what about this? And of course, three slides later, I answered their question. So I started at like 6 o'clock, <laughs> and I didn't end until like 9.37. So three hours and 37 minutes later. Hopefully this podcast doesn't last that long. No, uh, I think we're shooting for a half hour here. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stop here real soon, because I'm sure everybody's getting sick of hearing me talk. But um, as far as the Orlando group, a lot of people were asking questions, but what really shocked me is I still had a large number of people there until the very end absorbing a lot of this stuff. That's good. Maybe good so presentation. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of fluff that you see in a lot of presentations. It was, here's how you do it. Here's the code. Here's a here's an example. Here's yeah, where why you want to do it. Here's why you don't. So that was sort of what I went through, and so yeah, it was a learning experience. I learned that you should probably keep them down to about thirty-five slides. When you do <laughs> <laughs> so even I got something out of that. Cool. See, learn something every day. So Eric, what's up in the data warehouse world? Well, there's a lot of things going on, and every day seems to be kind of like you know you have to learn something new, and uh, but sometimes looks like uh, things are getting more complicated, but at the end, when you get up to uh, put uh, your feet on top of these technologies, you're only finding out that uh, things are being done because they just want to make your life easier. No? I mean, the purpose of having your software is not to make your life complicated, it's just to make your life easier. Of course, it requires some learning, reading, and the regular stuff that any regular programmer and developer or DBA should be done. Yes, a learning group, and you can have a culture of reading um, lots of books, I guess. But most what I did is uh, all the time is reading all Oracle manuals because they, I mean their publications are really, uh, really good. I don't know, probably because I'm these are the publications I'm used to read all the time. The internal that documentation, I'm, you mean? The internal documentation. I think, I think Oracle has the best technical documentation, and it might be because they've been working on it for 20 years. They've been fixing it, making it better, and making it better, but I think it's the best technical documentation. You know, the, and nothing to, to slam the people out there who write books because they do a great job and they add value, but if you want to pick, like a lot of people say, how do I learn Oracle? I'm always pointing to Tahiti.oracle.com. That's what I do, Tahiti.oracle.com. And go and look what you look for if you're a database person. And maybe we can get into that a little bit later. I don't want to take away from the data. Mm -hmm. No, that's okay. That later, but, um, but like you were saying with the thing, you got to, there's a learning curve, you know, and it's kind of like you you might be a lumberjack and you know how to use an axe, <coughs> and you're real efficient at using that axe because you've been using it for a long time. But out comes a chainsaw. Well, yeah, it might take you maybe an hour to figure out how to use the same chainsaw or two hours to become efficient with it. But once you do, you're going to be able to be a lot more efficient in doing your job and chopping those trees. And, and just to make a note along the same lines, if you don't read the instruction manual, it might cost you a leg. So, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you do want to read the manual. You don't want to just start using it. Uh, like most guys do. Just, we don't need this stinking manual. <laughs> okay, so putting things together, um, uh, the things that I've been working on that I want to probably talk in this podcast is uh, the... Um, uh, software that we can set up or use all together in a warehouse. I'm using most of the time uh, warehouse products, but I have used some others. Uh, but you can divide these three things now today in three pieces. 
uh, the extraction, which is going to be one difficult one. Basically, you are talking about having extraction from multiple platforms and platforms that you might not be familiar with, on platforms on which you have never even pushed a line of code. No? Uh, the other piece I want to talk about is the warehouse itself, uh, with warehouse builder, no? and the last one will be the presentation. Uh, that's the way they call it, uh, Ralph Kimball, no? mm -hmm. the extraction. No? And the option that Oracle has there is uh, Oracle Business Intelligence Enterprise Edition, the most recent product. Uh, there are some others like you know, Brio, Hyperion, which is still in Hyperion, and you have Cognos, and you have uh, business objects. Business objects, couple of vendors, not that you can use also. But uh, Microfile is basically an Oracle product. No, that's what I want to stay. And uh, eventually, if uh, Oracle goes bad, then I'm gonna go bad also. <laughs> <laughs> I accept in that consequence. No, exactly. It's a catch twenty-two. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So in the about the extraction part, uh, the Oracle now has released a new protocol, Oracle Data Integrator. Um, the purpose of this tool is uh, to access multiple platforms. And when I'm talking about platforms, is uh, that uh, we're not talking about only Oracle. We're talking about almost any. It has a very large variety of products that you can access with it, like uh, AS400. You can access DB2 on AS400. You can have access DB2 on uh, what's the OS uh, AIX. AIX. You can access SQL uh, Server, Microsoft. You can access uh, DB base files. You can access uh, yes. What about mainframe? Uh, you can access mainframe. Mainframe extracts. Yes, you can access the thing they call the physical files and the logical files, which basically are tables and indexes. And um, there's a lot of stuff you can do there, and basically the tool, its purpose is to have like a very wide variety of you know source points, and uh, you can access to any one of them randomly, and then grab it into a second place, which they call the ODI repository, and which you're gonna do all your massage. You can also build some workflow. It's like your staging area. It's like your staging area for uh, ODI. And in there, you can do whatever you want. The advantage is that you can have in a simple diagram, a simple flow, a source coming from SQL Server, a source coming from uh, AS400, a source coming from mainframe. Do a query, put them all together, and push your result to target. And that, that ODI, what databases can that be? Um, in every of the three layers, because they have the source, they, they have three layers, not the source, the repository, and the target. You can change them indistinctly. Once they are only in the repository, it's required to have SQL 92, of course, in the target, you know. But if you have like JDBC, and it's a, you can create a JDBC connection to that database. It, theoretically, you should be able to connect because it does manage JDBC, you know. So once it's SQL 92 compliant, it should be okay. So no? you go to a MySQL database. Mm -hmm. Is MySQL SQL 92? I don't post I would think so. I'm not sure. Yeah, the thing is that there's an option in the designer, which the Oracle data integrator designers, on which you specify what kind of statement you're going to build. And then you have Oracle, SQL, Server. You can choose the platform on which you're going to build your statement, no? And uh, but then there's an one called SQL 92, which basically once you're it's just generic, it's just generic. <coughs> so you can do whatever you want. Of course, this is going to be in the repository, no? In the source, uh, I guess you can choose something like that because I know. Familiar 100% with the tool, no? Just bring it to the podcast today. And um, that's why you read the doc. 
it's a very good tool. Uh, many people will think that Oracle Data Integrator will overlap with Warehouse Builder, but actually it's not. I think it complements what Oracle Warehouse Builder does today because ODI, you cannot get to uh, all the uh, definition of Oracle. Oh, like building the uh, cubes? And no, you, the, it's basically a source target movement. No? Okay. Uh -huh. You can still use it for doing a warehouse, but there's a lot of features, I guess, that ODI doesn't have yet. Like the uh, 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 business intelligence, end uh, uh, user area, and all the other stuff, all the I will not be able to push it. That thing. Do you see these things merging. Down the, do you see these things merging down the road? I mean, it's kind of like you know what Oracle is, and this is just speculation on our part. But what we've seen is they went out and bought like the most public thing is they went out and bought people soft JD Edwards. See they went out and bought Siebel, and of course they bought like Retech and Oblix and all these companies, and you see that. They're still releasing new versions of PeopleSoft, but eventually they're gonna. Everything's gonna go into fusion. It's almost fusion. like a it's almost like a hierarchical model, but going in reverse. Instead of going from the top to the bottom, you're actually following the branches and going up to where they finally merge. Do you think that's where they're going with these products? Is that eventually they're going to merge? Yeah, I, I think that that will be the most uh, you know convenient thing for Oracle because now if they are getting this software and just plugging it into their products, I mean that's the easiest thing to do. No? It's already connecting it. Uh, yeah. Actually, uh, the has a history, you know, like uh, six months ago, Oracle acquired uh, Synopsis, you know, and um, now the tool has been enhanced to to, uh, or to work with Oracle's stuff, you know. And um, uh, this is what they have today. Uh, one thing about downloading the tool, because you can get to it really easy, it's not complex, as again, software is for making your life easier. So. Exactly. Uh, the only thing you have to do is when you go to the Oracle web page where you have the downloads, the first page you get in the downloads page is basically the regular database stuff. To get downloaded the Oracle Oracle Data Integrator, there's a window on the left which says middleware. You click on that once and then your page changes and you can see Oracle Data Integrator in that web page. Okay, so it's considered middleware rather than database. Yes. Uh -huh. So that's the way to download it. You can download samples and it has already uh, it does like three Java runtimes, and every one of each is basically one the source, one the repository, and another the target. They are already pre-built samples, so you don't have to even set them up. Oh, nice. And after you download the software, you just run these pieces, and you are set to start doing your study material. Uh, I don't haven't get that deep into it, but I don't think it will require that much skills in order to learn it. It's a Java runtime, so it runs on any platform, and um, uh, it will be good if uh, any folks that would try to learn some new stuff. This is something that I would really strongly recommend. Especially if you're in the data warehouse. Yes, definitely, definitely. And um, that will get us to the next point, but uh, just before we leave, is uh, data integrator basically the purpose is to get basically to any kind of source and push it to any kind of target. Any kind of target. Nice. Uh -huh. So and truly real middleware. That's real middleware. Stick in the middle, it's like a plug-in middleware. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, now um, talking about Warehouse Builder, well, we have the um, Oracle Warehouse Builder 10G released too, and uh, it's been in the market now for a couple of months, I think, like six, seven months or probably. It's been a while. Uh-huh. And this new tool, it has uh, new features and more broader than Oracle 10G release one. It has a uh, lot of other things that probably in release one were not complete or fully developed. In release two, they are now. They also have uh, uh, the most interesting thing when you start to do 
aware as it's trying to study what are the frequencies of domains within a, a column. So you can determine which column is going to be your candidate's dimensions and stuff like, like cardinality. Cardinality, uh-huh. They have a tool called Data Profile. Um, basically, what it does this tool is that you can grab a certain set of data from one place, your source, no? And then put it into a temporary analytic workspace or workspace, no? In there, uh, Oracle has, uh, uh, when you build your data profile, because it's basically a module within the, uh, the repository, it creates a copy of the data. You define how much percent of that data you want, and also you can apply a word criteria on that data. So basically, when you create your sample, it's going to grab some data from this place, tables and stuff like that, and put them into this place, into the uh, analytical workspace. And in there, it's going to calculate stuff like the most frequent domain within a column, what possible columns will be for entities to which tables, based on the top 100 elements of domains from one table to another. You can see what were the maximum values, minimum values, and stuff like that in, in a set of, uh, in a data set. All this information is useful when you are starting to create your warehouse or when you are trying to study how to, what approach to no? I mean, and try to understand. The kind of architect. Yeah, but of course you have to figure it out from there, but from the these reports it's easier no, than pushing your own commands right, like yeah. se making select count this thing and getting the number of hits ordered by hundred, you know, desk. Like, you know, knowing what where the top hundred, no. This thing can do the whole thing for you automatically. And you just gotta define on which tables and columns you want it. Usually I leave it on the table because data profile is kinda like a free before you build your warehouse. This is what you use to find out how you want to build your workers. Once you are done with it, you can scratch the whole thing because basically it's just a study no? of, of, of the data. No? So it gives you statistics about your existing data is what the goal is. That's what it basically does. Uh -huh. Along with it, you can also change some stuff. Like you want to analyze like an email column or something that comes in a regular format. And you expect to be that data element in a certain format for 100% of the times, but eventually it doesn't. No? So you can create a thing called data rules. And what they do is that when you run the data rule, it will tell you how much percentage of that column is compliant with the data rule. And get an output in your mapis and tell you, okay, when this is 90% within the compliant, you're gonna keep oh, cool. going with stuff. Because 90% is okay, yeah. based on your thresholds or whatever your policies are with the company. But if not, you can stop because probably a major issue has went through the system or whatever. You pick up That's cool. You can create correction models for them also. Because the first thing is the data rule, you're gonna find out if this complies with the rule, then there's a correction module. And that's the data cleansing. That's the data cleansing. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm -hmm. They still have that stuff. Also, they are still uh, have a uh, data parsing, of course, with their vendors. It's not exactly Oracle, you can use Trillium, you can use, uh, I shouldn't say names, but, uh, <laughs> because there's several options, no? I mean, it's not Oracle's, um, what are the vendors we have for, Data parsing. There are about four or five of them. There's a partners web page, and uh, uh, in there you can see what the multiple options for data parsing or data cleansing. And you can plug this module directly to the uh, uh, Oracle Warehouse Builder and uh, use their features. No, every one of these data uh, parsing companies follow standards. There are two of them for address parsing at least, and uh, you want to see which one you want to use. No. Most of them, they do both standards, so it's just a matter of choosing which one. 
what are the differences between the standards? Just the way it's formatted? Yes, that's the way it's formatted. Because you know, remember that you can capture the address in just two lines, like you know, numbers, street name, and drive, whatever. Okay. And the same line, you want to get the apartment or stuff like that. Second line, you want to get the city, comma, state, two letters, no? and zip code. That would be the most basic stuff. But some other systems, they collect more specifically in a different way. Right. Uh-huh. But in order for you to not get into complications, you probably want to get you know, a software vendor of this kind because that can be a nightmare. I've seen companies trying to do address parsing. That's a whole rocket science. You don't want to get into that. You better use um, certified vendors and see what is the standard you want to follow and just take it from there. And that way, if it doesn't work, you can hold their feet to the fire instead of having to go back and figure out your own stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So that was about data profile address parsing. Uh, Data rules and correction modules, they come out of data profiling, but you can get rid of data profiling after you're done with it and keep the rules and the correction modules. No? Then the next thing will be the warehouse builder itself. Uh, this couple of new modules, they still have the traditional source and target modules. Uh, it was always good if you can, in your modules, define which ones are your target and keep it just as your target and then keep your staging, just your staging and then keep your uh, source as your source separate module so you won't get confused and all the things you are building all across no? um, to do the mappings and everything else it has changed a bit but it can still be used uh, like it was in the prior version so you don't have to apply that much stuff new knowledge no? uh, you can still use uh, warehouse builder if you don't want to get into the dimensions definition and stuff like that just to do data movement just use all your sources as regular flat tables, and you can still use it like that. Or you can get the new stuff, which is basically building dimensions, cubes, and also they have they have two kind of targets now. They have something called rollups and mollups, no relational rollup or uh, multi-dimensional rollup. And the rollup one is kind of like the prior version we know, creates a fact table, big map indexes, and all the other stuff. The MOLAP one goes actually to an analytical workspace where you have the OLAP cube and all the other stuff. No? That's what it gets interesting. But if you're going to still use uh, ROLAP, still functional, it's still applicable. Basically, ROLAP is the detailed data, what you want to get there. No? Single line transactions in a very huge fact table. In the MOLAP one, what you want to get is an aggregation, actually. You don't want to get detailed because basically that's what you're going to do. But the difference is that you can have multiple cubes. You can Great measures that they don't exist in the fact tables or in the transaction tables for your loading the data. You know, things like Kimba was saying once having to know, or let's say when you're generating every transaction per transaction, the bank wants to know how much was the amount of checks cash for the last week for this customer. They want to know that for every uh, transaction, let's say, or stuff like that. No? That information can be generated on the fly. It's more kind of like, you know, analytical stuff, so... Like kind of ad hoc? Uh, ad hoc, it will be kind of like you're figuring it on the fly, no? This is going to be pre-built. You can store these values and then just make calculations. So, so if you kind of know what they're going to... The limit criteria they're going to put in their work laws, uh -huh. but then ad hoc across that. You're going to have a certain set that you're always going to ask, but the details of what you ask change. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to get more familiar with it, I guess. I ha I'm not... Semi-ad hoc. <laughs> I haven't gotten you know, get that much into it because I guess there's a lot of things you gotta do. But this is the things I know you can do, and one of these days, of course, I'm gonna be cool doing that stuff. No.
then uh, the control center in the warehouse builder, they used to have in the past the runtime service or runtime services. I think that's the word. Now they call it the control center, which is basically the same runtime service. The, the difference now is that the control center now it has a lot of more features than the runtime itself. You can deploy all kind of mappings like you did in the prior version uh, dimensions. Now from there you can control the cubes. You can also deploy schedules to the database, and that's the way you make it work. In the past you had to make a script, go to OEM, call the script from the outside. Now from here you are pushing and yeah. creating a schedule, and then as a mapping or no, something similar, no? and then you push it to the database, and that thing is going to push uh, a sentence, and it's going to get captured in the in the server, and then you have your schedule. I nice. mean, it's, that's easier than the prior version. And they have more information, and when you compile your mappings, and it's kind of like more complete, you know, like it used to be before. Well, the other layer, that will be the last one. The um, Extraction no? or presentation, what they call any people. You, can, you have several vendors there, Brio, you have uh, Oracle, Business Intelligence Enterprise Edition, you have Cognos, you have all these other vendors. I just mentioned their names because I just want to, you know, kind of like establishing where we are now. Right. This is the time of when you want to extract the data. Oracle has now the uh, Oracle Business Intelligence Enterprise Edition. Um, basically, what it is used to be in the past is civil uh, analytics. Uh, this uh, piece, what it has today is that it has the ability to run the OLAP cube and all the other stuff that you used to have in in the other version, but this time is different. No, it has it's more complete. Basically, the product is Oracle application server. In the application server, you're gonna have a WAR file and a near file, which is basically the Oracle BIA Enterprise Edition. And you're managing from a web page, just like you did with uh, Rio or any other ad hoc tool. The, the good thing is that it's gonna, all the definition for metadata, uh, business names, and all the other stuff, you can have a module within Oracle Warehouse Builder define and populate or entry all the definitions that you need for your metadata. And then when it's ready, you're just gonna push it to the other side automatically it's gonna have all these definitions, including the queue, if you wanna have one. Fact tables and everything else dimensions. <coughs> and you just use it, no? I mean it's you use it inside a CD. Yes. Uh-huh. And is uh you say it's like Brio or Cognos, is it this kind of thing where you like drag your columns up to the top line and you, you drag something to your limit line and you'll enter your where clause and things like that. Is that it's yes. Uh -huh. Oh wow. Uh-huh. I need to get that out. It's really intuitive. It's not that difficult to use. And the only steps on, the, on which you probably get some problems is setting it up. But once you pass that point, it's really easy to understand. And this is really exciting because uh, this is the piece where you, you see most of this, the fun stuff of all the effort of building a warehouse. No? Right. Behind the scenes in the backyard, you are kind of messed up with all these kind of instructions, schedules, data problems, and stuff like that. And then the uh, presentations uh, is where you have all the fun with all the stuff that you have built. No? All the users wonder what you've been doing for the last year. Like, this is simple. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end product. No? <laughs> yeah, if they wouldn't know what it takes to get that. No? Get there, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The date is easy. Why does this take so long? <laughs> yeah, and there's a couple of BI stuff uh, where you can display graphics and stuff like that. You know, like you do in video. Right. You 
can have charts and stuff like that. They're really cool. I've used uh, Brio, Cognos, and Business Objects at different places, and they're all, I mean, they have their own names for things, the universe versus the end user layer versus the whatever, but they all work pretty much the same. For Cognos, I think it's Cognos PowerPlay, isn't it? That's one of the tools, yeah. They yeah. have kind of like Hyperion has the three or four flavors, Cognos has their thing. So this is the stuff that I've been working lately. It's really exciting, and I mean, it's kind of like you know, every day you gotta learn something. But again, cheer up. This is for just for making your life easier. That's the only purpose, no? And for making us money. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm all about that. I'm not against that. Well, we're uh, we're running at about 40 minutes here, so uh, I'm gonna get it deep into streams. I've been blogging about it. I've got several blogs, and actually, a reader asked me uh, yesterday, I think it was, to finish. I actually, back in December, wrote a blog, and I said my next entry is going to be about another step in streams. And the books are all the time. Exactly, then I'm all lost all my time, so I'm going to go back and uh, tomorrow, hopefully I'll go ahead and write that one up. That's uh, what I've blogged so far is how to set up change data capture, and then how to configure, uh, I think I actually got into how to set up the queue, uh, an AQ queue, yeah. I think I did that already. If not, I'll add that. I think the queues was the first thing you did, right? And then the change data capture. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Maybe I did AQ and then change data capture. I can't remember now. Yeah, you defined the queues. Yeah. And you're doing the, the capture. The, and then you did like one other thing. The, well, the next step, yeah. That was, uh, what was that? I forget. But the next step is to show how I went from 10G to 9I with change data capture. And that kind of just brings it all together. And I actually did a prototype at work. Um, well, I mean, not just me. It was a whole group of people. But... Um, we did a prototype um, in the beginning of February, and it went really well. Um, our SLAs uh, will have no problem meeting. The performance throughput was awesome. We actually had a problem with uh, one of the database. We were going to do some failover testing, but oddly enough, we had a problem with one of the machines, and we lost the database anyway. <laughs> and, and, and actually, we started... You, were you running an archive log? <laughs> we were, yeah, yeah. But uh, when we got the database back, it automatically picked up and sent the transactions over for us. So I didn't have to stop the queue, start the queue, we stop, were start populating the data too. Yes, correct. So basically, it's like, okay, I got all these backed up transactions here, and as soon as you brought the database back on, it's like I connected. Yeah. And it's like, okay, here's all the stuff. I thought I was going to have to go in there and tell it, hey, it's back. Now, all it the stuff that it lost because the database crashed, those were gone. Those were on the queue. No, we lost nothing. We didn't lose a single transaction. So it's like all this stuff should be in this queue, nothing's there, I'm going to go ahead and restart over. Yeah, it was totally persistent. Um, the if, it, if Anything in flight, because I guess it, it's got some kind of two-phase commit or something, yeah, it hadn't gotten that, so that was still in the source database, and anything that had been committed was already committed, so it was out of the source database. So we didn't have any duplicates, and we lost nothing, and didn't have to do anything. When it came back up, the database, or the appropriation started itself. Yeah, you just recovered the database. Exactly, which was pretty amazing. Exactly. I remember back uh, using just AQ back in 99. At a couple of times, we actually had to start propagation ourselves. We're back on, uh, uh, where were we using? This was R2, right? Yeah, this this is actually 10G, going 10G R2 to 99 so R2. It sounds like we're probably just, yeah, enhanced something. Something might have got better. But, uh, yeah, so it's looking really good on that. Yeah, demand. No, um, actually, we're running running kind of late. I, I, we're at forty five minutes. I think uh, once I take out the the silences and all that stuff, we'll be down to around forty minutes. But 
I guess we'll wrap up. Take out all the silence. Huh? Yeah. I don't think there's a whole lot of sound. With, with you two talking, I don't think there's a whole lot of sound. <laughs> you think it cut it down, and of course we'd be like, Lewis or something. I don't yeah, we'll be all jerky, yeah. Yeah. The other thing I see is when I'm talking, is, that's what I see, this strong red. Exactly. The strong blue. So actually, there is more quiet than, than, than you know, red. What we could do is we could speed it up and we sound like micro machine guys. Uh, or Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> <laughs> actually, we could do that. <laughs> we're, uh, uh, for the our audience who can't see us, we're sitting here looking at, we, I use Audacity to record the podcast, and we're actually watching a little sine wave thingy as we talk. We're uh, having quite the fun with that. Uh, not that we're geeks or anything. It's a cosine wave. <laughs> is it a cosine wave? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, zero is actually starting at one. That's the one that I use. We're not going to get into um, trig, I guess. So no, yeah. yeah. I, I've forgotten way more than I ever knew. I think. look at spatial data next week. And, uh, I'll stick with business systems. How do you use cosine functions like <laughs> Oracle? <laughs> well, uh, I guess Ventures. that's it. Um, hopefully everybody posts comments if you like this format better. I, I think you have to because uh, honestly, just sitting in a room talking to myself, I totally did not like, and I can't imagine anyone wanting to listen to it. To be honest with you, but I didn't listen to it. I, I, I literally was never going to do a podcast again after my last one because uh, not not the last one, the one where we interviewed. That was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, we the last one we interviewed uh, Tom Roach, but it was. That was I didn't see any comments on it though. I don't know. I haven't been. If you hear this and you liked it, definitely leave Lewis some comments so we decide if we want to do this format again. Exactly. Because yeah. People might listen to it and they just don't say anything. I think so that most people. Maybe that's what most people do. But if you do, um, and it's probably you hear this on Lewis's blog. Just go ahead and click and leave a comment. Let us know that if you liked it or not. I'm, uh, I guess that's it. Thanks for listening. If you made it this far, and uh, thanks Tom for participating, and thanks Eric and. If y'all like it, we'll keep doing this. Thanks for the hamburgers. Oh, yeah, we had a barbecue. I had to feed them to get them to show up. (laughs) Thanks a lot.